Welcome back to Faces of Kern. This is Matt, your host, and I'm excited to share this interview with you today. I spoke with David, who's a specialist that has worked on the Isabella Dam Safety Modification Project, which has protected Bakersfield from Kern River flooding. The Isabella Dam originally was built in 1953, and it's about 40 miles northeast of the city. Since the dam modification project, the reservoir can now store enough water that, for comparison, could cover Bakersfield in almost six feet of water. In 2006, the Army Corps found the dam vulnerable to potential failures, and so a dam safety modification project was prioritized, and work began in 2018, with most of major construction being completed last fall with smaller portions of construction and closeouts remaining for this 2023 and into 2024. The budget for the safety modification project was $335 million, and there has been over 2.5 million worker hours with no serious injury. I was excited to speak with David because he used to live in Bakersfield, and he worked in the oil field, so he knows our local community. He eventually moved away, but has still lived part-time in the Kern River Valley during the work week. In this interview, you'll learn a little bit about some of the work he has done on the dam. He also talks about some of the recreation he's found in the Kern River Valley. And he talks about some Kern River safety experiences he's learned from his housemate, who's a whitewater rafting guide in Kernville. This interview was recorded earlier this summer, so you may hear a few references to this past summer's flood control. These are still relevant with potential forecasts for a wet El Nino this coming year. We did speak by phone after our Zoom call dropped, so I apologize for any poor audio quality. Let's get to the interview. So, hey, your position is about your quality control and been there for five years. What would you like yes. the residents of Bakersfield to know about the work you and your colleagues are doing there at Isabella Dam? Well, we, uh, we made it a lot more safe. Bakersfield is part of the reason why this dam was worked on when it was decided to, and this was quite some time ago, early 2000s, I believe, was discovered to have the seepage issue and some other issues as well. Also, one of the dams was on a fault that was not uh, dormant like they had thought, and also more recent studies shown that there's a much greater drainage area. I think they're off by a factor of 10. There's actually 2,000 square miles in the Sierras that actually drains into Lake Isabella. So they realized they needed to raise the dam, make a new spillway, make one of the dams more massive, degrade and redo the filters on the uh, earthen dam. For sure, it was a dam that needed to be worked on, but part of the equation, if you would, that made them determine that this was the dam that was most needed to be worked on was the consequence of failure, and that's basically the impact it would have had to Bakersfield. I think if, if they had full reservoir height and the dam failed, I think Bakersfield would eventually be, uh, you know, in a matter of about 12 hours or so, would be under several feet of water. So, so that has factored into everything and why this all kind of infrastructure needs work in this country for sure. But uh, that's why this dam was uh, given the green light. We had to uh, work seven days a week on the dam. There are some some operators and foremen who work, I think, four or five straight weeks actually, just get the well. Number one, we're trying to get ready for the ribbon cutting, but also because you know the, the lake was filling up. In fact, they anticipated that a spill may happen sometime uh, coming weeks, actually, where it would actually go over the uh, service spillway, which is the original spillway of the day. That's incredible. I didn't realize how many people were working that much overtime. Yeah, we, we were kicking in high gear to get it done. 
Now, so do you know about how many people were there at the maximum? At least three or four hundred, I want to say. We may have even hit five hundred at times. There's two organizations. There's uh, the joint venture, which is the contractor that I work for, and you know all our subcontractors. And then also there's the Army Corps of Engineers. They play the role of the owner, and uh, they had a pretty significant staff there as well at times. So it was several hundred uh, people, and it might have topped 500 at one point, I, I believe. So. And so how many are there now about, like, generally? So, uh, far fewer. Uh, we're, uh, we've, we've been demobbing uh, trailers and such. We, in fact, just recently moved to a small office uh, in, in the town of Lake Isabella. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to give a number at this point, but I, I know it's far below 100 at this point. You know, right now we're we're just, you know, close-out, punch-out list, that sort of thing, taking care of some uh, minor things here and there, really, like any major construction project. You know, we are keeping people around to do all the necessary documentation. Uh, I had once mentioned just just how much documentation goes into uh, into this job, and a friend of mine that I know works at uh, JPL, and, you know, they work with NASA, and he commented that, uh, yeah, it sounds like what he deals with, which is that they don't launch something into space until the paperwork outweighs the launch vehicle. So, yes, yeah, on this job, it's yeah, another federal job, and, you know, it's a tremendous amount of documentation. I've uh, myself have probably submitted or p- take part in submitting, oof, I'd have to say, over 100,000 pages of documentation in the time I've been here. And that's, frankly, probably that's a conservative estimate. Amazing. That's just you. One hundred thousand pages. Other people are authoring it, but it, but my role is to either review it or make sure someone else who's competent reviews it and make sure it uh, meets the specifications as, as and plans as best as possible. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a significant amount of documentation that I've, that I've uh, handled. It's a shame, you know, people are tuning into this podcast and are thinking, oh, hey, someone at the dam, I'm sorry you have the quality control guy. <laughs> you <laughs> no know, way. You know, you, you, know, you already did all the major uh, excavations, so the blasters have all moved on, so, uh, <laughs> so you got me. Anyway. <laughs> no problem. I mean, without you, who's doing, if the QC guy isn't around, then how do we know if it's quality, right? right? <laughs> well, actually, you know, we have to have an approved quality manager on site and then uh, one of the uh, actually, not two. There were three. Or actually, uh, I think there's uh, one of three. <clears throat> We've had as many as four or five actually on the job, but we are not allowed to do any work on site if if there's not a an approved quality manager on site. So, you know, that made me think about kind of a uh, bit of a funny story. Actually, the uh, I don't know if you remember the Ridgecrest earthquake back in I guess it would have been 2019. Uh, yeah, Fourth of July. Yeah. We had actually felt the what was the foreshock on January, excuse me, July 4th, excuse me. And uh, that was a Thursday. We were off for the holiday. I worked Friday. I went home, uh, and uh, that's when the, the main quake hit Friday evening. And, and I was actually at Santa Clarita, and that had, uh, and we felt there. So it was pretty significant. And uh, I bumped into a friend of mine the next day, Saturday, and he knew I worked at the dam, and he asked me, uh, well, uh, what are you doing here? I said, what do you mean? He said, why aren't you at the dam? I said, what's my day off? And he goes, well, you've had an earthquake. I said, well, unless I'm going to shove paperwork into a crack, there's not a whole lot I can do. Uh, <laughs> so uh, there's a handful of embankment engineers of the government that were there. And, uh, and, in fact, you know, we would be in meetings and, would, you know, we were getting 
aftershocks, minor aftershocks for for a week or two after that. And, uh, you know, we'd get an aftershock and be banking the engineer, wouldn't even say a word, stand up, grab his hard hat, and head, head out to go look at the dam. So, uh, so, yeah, we did, of course, have people in place for those sorts of occasions. But, but, but fortunately, the, 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 the quake was far enough away to where uh, it, didn't really, it didn't really affect the dam. So it, was, it wasn't the fault that, that the ox dam was on. Yeah, boy, that will give someone, uh, that'll keep someone up late at night, right? With, you know, it's hard to predict seismicity, right? You have an earthquake when you're right. in the middle of a big dam project. Were there any other, uh, unforeseen events that you want to mention? No, that's uh, probably about it. I mean, if, there are certain things that, uh, I probably did not talk about it just for security reasons and those sorts of things. So, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What's the general feeling from, you and the team, like, you finish the work, you get a ribbon cutting, and then there's this, this big wet winter that we have, and, and now the dam is filling up, and it's, you're going to get a few. Well, you know, uh, it, 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 it actually, there is some satisfaction there, uh, because when, you know, a year or so ago, when we were working on the dam, and, and uh, Lake Isabella looked much more like a puddle, <laughs> and, um, and uh, the water level was really low, and, and uh, yeah, that, it was... Uh, Kind of natural to kind of grumble. Oh, what are you doing this for? <laughs> Water's not even touching the bottom of the dam, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I will say that that the, the big winter we had uh, really gave a, gave a lot of people on the job just a, a sense of satisfaction. Like, okay, we 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 did do this for a significant reason, and it was good that we did this. Has so been involved with it. So. Well, you probably saved the city of Bakersfield. What you did. Mm-hmm. Makes me appreciate the engineering the, and the flood control in place that we now have. Yes, sure. Uh, so, could you describe some of the work, you know, maybe some of your favorite memories of your time up there at Isabella? You know, a lot of it is actually outside of work. We got into a, there was a hiking group. We did uh, Thursday afternoons after work, we'd go hike some of the local trails. And just, you know, seeing, you know, being part of that, uh, part of that valley, really, it's, it's, uh, Gorgeous territory. So, for those that are in Bakersfield that haven't made the trip up the canyon, I, I highly recommend it. What's so special about the, the hiking there in Kern River Valley? The thing about it is, you get weather comparable to Bakersfield. It gets rather warm, rather rather hot there. You get triple digits in the summer, and uh, but you can uh, hop in a car and drive up to the to Alta Sierra and uh, Greenhorn Summit and. You know, in a matter of what, maybe 20, 25 minutes, and it's uh, you're 5,000 feet or so higher, and it's actually pleasant. It's in the 60s, and so you can go, and uh, it's amazing the the variety you have in in the area. It's just uh, it's serious, I guess. So <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be, should be surprised. So, and, and actually, uh, you know, we're seeing the uh, PCT actually runs Pacific Crest Trail uh, runs over Walker Pass, and Walker Pass is. Uh, is uh, the path to the east if you were to leave uh, Isabella and go to uh, Ridgecrest. And that's actually uh, just uh, on the drive out here yesterday. So when I came out to, to my home out here, and I picked up a hitchhiker because I knew he just, just looking at him, I knew he was a PCT hiker. And they're pretty much good people, so uh, I don't mind giving them a ride back to uh, Walker Pass so they can get back on the trail. Yeah, that's so go great that, you know, just after work, get within 20 minutes and get up to a nice cooler climate and be able to do some hiking in the higher alpine there. Yeah, that Kern River Valley is gorgeous. Yeah. What other thoughts would you like to share about just working up there the last five years? I've learned – I worked in the oil industry for 22 years, and uh, 
So this is actually outside of, uh, this is my first job actually in construction. Unless you want to count the, uh, Mason labor, uh, labor job I did for about, uh, for about six weeks right after college, trying to make a little money to move. <laughs> but, uh, so it was an interesting education as far as the heavy construction business, I should say, seeing how the whole process works. It's actually part of the reason why I decided to accept the job in quality control because I knew it would give me a front row seat to how everything works. So. I imagine you do the three phases of work. And like you yeah, said, yeah, that self is learning experience for a lot of people. Just the, that whole process of working for the Army Corps, just that they're, they have a very regimented process that a lot of contractors aren't. Uh, I mean, even though many of the people that worked on the project had, you know, decades of experience in construction, this, I think this job opened their eyes on some things. <laughs> so. Could you just briefly describe maybe the three phases of work? Everything's tied to the activities, tied to the feature. And so for a given feature of work, so let's just say for the sake of discussion, uh, the labyrinth weir, we built that uh, concrete structure, part of the modification. So basically to start the work, you need the uh, mixed designs approved, the products approved, the uh, shop drawings for the rebar. And it's a process where they, I've heard it described as building it on paper first. And so it, it is very regimented where, you know, if, uh, you know, a lot of contractors, if you give them a Spec book and a, and a plan sheet and get those. All, all right, I'll, I'll start building. But, uh, you know, th- there's work plans and, and whatnot, uh, hazard analyses, uh, that are performed. And, you know, submittals are, of course, part of that, but that's, that's how the data is for the most part uh, transmitted to the government. And then, uh, so there's the preparatory phase where you're getting all of that together and getting that approved, getting the products on site, getting the, the uh, materials on site, getting uh, the proper people are in place. Uh, there's the initial phase, which is the beginning of construction, where you really take a close look at how things are being performed and, and uh, how things are being built, and, and are they meeting spec? Are they to? Are they meeting plans? And then finally, uh, the follow-up phase, which is a series of follow-up inspections. So, so yeah, very regimented. I've participated in some Army Corps projects, and I remember seeing a plan and a submittal for a certain material, for example, like maybe a, a certain concrete or cement. And then we get to the job site and it's delivered and it's not the spec that was presented. I know we've had to pause yeah, work that's, that's and have calls. Yeah, that's like, a hot button for him, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so were you ever that individual that was on site and had to check materials or how the work was being performed? I've, I've taken part in some of those activities, certainly. At our peak, the quality control staff, contract staff, we were probably close to 20 individuals. Actually, even more than that if you actually include the, uh, the testing personnel and the, the lab techs. Between inspectors, engineers, managers, the lab technicians, so yeah, we were well about 20 That's at one point. That's really good to hear. President Bakersfield, I'm glad to hear that. That's good news. Yeah. That, well, that's for something for critical infrastructure. It was it's certainly a challenge. I won't deny that. But the, you know, to have uh, that sort of that sort of regimented uh, process in place for critical infrastructure was probably a good thing. So, all right. And and the labyrinth weir, just from pictures that I've seen in the model, it looks really incredible. So, how tall are those? Yeah, there's not a single. Uh, I don't think there's a single right angle on that whole thing. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. It, it's uh, for those who haven't seen it, if, uh, you can look it up online. But it's. It's a curved structure with kind of a sawtooth pattern of these of these weir walls, and, and the idea being is that if you ever had a flow, hopefully we never have a flow over the labyrinth weir because that's that means 
an incredible amount. Of, that, that's a biblical flood, I think, at that point. Uh, but uh, if you have a flow, a significant flow over, over a labyrinth weir, by having all that additional linear feet of, uh, I, I mean, I think the arc length is over a thousand feet, but if you add up all the, you know, the, 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 the weir walls and, and sort of walk along the weir walls, you're, you're, I think it's thousands of feet long. So if you ever had a spill over that, if you spread it out over a much greater area, much greater length, if you would, then the velocity, the, the, the flow is, is a much more gentle flow going over the, uh, going over the weir. So. I think there may be even some simulations of it online on YouTube. Yes, actually, it's there, there are. There, uh, they, the, uh, it was the, I thought University of Utah, I believe. Uh, they Utah State a, Logan, a, yeah. A flow model. They built a flow model and, uh, that, uh, and, and simulated, uh, I think they simulated up to 500,000 CFS or something like that. I mean, it, and, and it showed that, that the, uh, that the weir and the, and the, and the spillways uh, would, would would handle that. Um, I mean, that, again, that's 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 biblical. <laughs> I mean, uh, just to give you an idea, we had uh, you know, right now. I think we're we're, we're letting uh, the dam is letting out about seven thousand cfs or somewhere in that range. And uh, when we had the big, when the river got really big for a brief period for a day or two, the North Fork where we had the uh, the warm storm come in and uh, what was that late, uh, I think that was late, late March, uh, when that came and the river peaked at 45,000 going into the lake. And that was only for maybe an hour or two. And then it came, came back down and, and stayed in like around 20,000 CFS for a bit. But, uh, I mean, you, know, you probably go back and look at the historical data to get to, to see it. But, but that was, you know, so that was, a very short burst, and it wasn't even close to the to what would uh, what they modeled the dam at. So, in, in that simulation, I should say. All right. Well, anything else uh, on the dam that you'd like to talk about? Again, there's some some things I probably can't talk about um, for again for security. But actually, just to give you an idea about how serious they are about the security. Um, we, uh, some of the work we did, like I mentioned blasting, uh, and one of the things we would do is film the blast to make sure that they were controlled, uh, to be sure that we, we weren't blasting the dam, we were blasting the quarry, which ultimately became, uh, the emergency spillway, uh, so I want to be clear on that. Uh, but anytime we, uh, we had some very strict, uh, requirements on what could happen, you know, we couldn't have uh, rock fly too high, too high or too far laterally. So every blast was videoed by two or three cameras and also a drone. And, uh, it was a D, and it was a DJI drone and DJI is a Chinese company. We had, were actually forced to ground our drones and procure a, I believe it was a U.S. made drone because they're concerned about potential security with data management. So, so yeah, they do take security seriously there. Hopefully, right. I can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a few questions for you about the rivers. Yeah, what is your experience with the Kern River? Have you ever recreated in it? Another hobby I, I have is photography, and I've, so I've, I've uh, got some images of the river or near the river 
you know, I mentioned hiking before. It's, it's, uh, they haven't, uh, I have yet to actually go rafting. Actually, a uh, roommate I had, uh, it was, is a raft, is a raft guide. And so he had told me, or I bumped into him earlier this year. And he said, you know, you, it's about time you, you've been here five years. It's about time you go on the river. And I've, I've rafted before, so I'd be more than happy to do it. So, uh, yeah, maybe not right now with the really high flows, but uh, maybe a little later <laughs> in the summer when things are a little, uh, a little slower and water might be a little bit warmer too, possibly. So. Although it's still be snow melt, so I don't know how much one that would be. <laughs> now, when you say roommate, that's your roommate in Kern River Valley? Uh, yes, in Kern. I had, uh, I have stayed weekends on occasion, but, uh, whether for work or for just, just, uh, leisure. But, uh, generally what I would do is, uh, most of the time I've, I've lived in, uh, Silmar during that time, that time there. So I would drive up early morning Monday, spend the week in, uh, at work and stay, I'd stay in River Kern and, uh, which is part of, Part of Kernville for those who aren't familiar with it, and uh, and then head home after work on Fridays. So I for this particular one uh, one stretch of time, I had a roommate where uh, he was uh, one of the owners of the rabbit company. Actually, that's just a guide. Yeah, um, yeah. For those in Bakersfield who haven't been on the river, Kernville is recreation town. It's a good vacation town. All kinds of things. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to raft, you can hike, bike, fish, camp. Yeah, mountain biking is big up up there. Uh, you have kayaking and and uh, uh, rafting as well, and yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting little uh, space. Uh, on that note, when I lived in Bakersfield, I kind of actually kicked myself for not actually going up there more often. I, mean, I had been up to Carver Valley uh, a handful of times when I was in Bakersfield, but it was um, but not really enough for, for what you can do up there. So you wish you had visited Carver Valley more often when you lived in Bakersfield. Yes, I think I probably could count on uh, on two or three hands the number of times I've been to Kerner Valley in the ten or so years of when I lived in Bakersfield. So, you know, it was uh, usually a day trip. But yeah, for those that are listening, if you haven't been there, you really do need to go and check it out. I agree with you. I think Kerner Valley is incredible, and in fact, it's basically surrounded by Sequoia National Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what are your thoughts if you were to describe the Kern River to others that have never been there before? It's a surprising river. It's uh, respect the river, uh, not just from, say, a, you know, an ecological, environmental sort of stance, but respect the river as, as far as be careful. You know, those of you that have gone up, you've driven, you know, when you enter the canyon there on 178, you, you pass by that really ominous sign saying how many people have passed away in the river and since uh, what I think was 1963 or something like that. And they, I know the number is up above 300 now. So so uh, certainly enjoy the river, but respect the river. You know, be careful if you decide to wade out into it. But uh, even on times when the, when the river is rather low, maybe only a few hundred CFS, you know, you'd still be surprised just, what, you know, where you could just get, you know, pulled pulled in or pulled down. And so most certainly respect the river if any time you're in it or near it. Are there any um, maybe safety measures that your roommate or that others in the valley have told you about that so you could get into the water and enjoy it and, and still feel safe and be protected? Well, uh, you know, he had actually, uh, this was actually on a low water year. Was it maybe the year before last when we were shared the cabin? And uh, he uh, it was leading up to the season, and he decided to go on a raft guy training trip in advance of the rafting season on the lower curve. And he said, oh, there's just too many dangerous spots. Uh, they call them SIDS, actually, where uh, you could get, you know, pulled in and 
basically you have water passing between two rocks, but the path through the rocks is below the water surface, but it could actually pull you into into the rock and you could, you know, won't have enough strength to get yourself out of that. So, and he said, yeah, we, he goes, I don't, I don't believe they did any lower current runs that year because of the concerns over safety, you know, if you had, so it was uh, just, uh, I mean, he didn't really give me any hint on like how to get yourself out of it, but uh, don't get yourself into it, I suppose. <laughs> so I'll say this, if you're not an experienced raptor or kayaker, uh, most definitely go with someone who is experienced in one of the tours, you know, or, or an experienced independent guide that you know and trust and listen to whatever he or she says and do it. <laughs> so. Oh, I appreciate that advice. So yeah, he's a professional guide that knows the river and it's interesting that your friend, there's a section that he would sometimes boat, but that given season, he avoided it because of the conditions. He might have done it later in the season, but he came back from that. He goes, yeah, no way we can do we can do a trip down the lower current right now. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, so I had a couple other questions here uh, to close. What would you like residents of Bakersfield to know about Isabella Dam? Well, we fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, it, actually the dam was under uh, restricted pool elevation, so it, they were – working to keep the level about 20 feet below the spillway, but now they can let the water go all the way up to the top of the spillway if they wish, uh, because the uh, restriction is lifted uh, back in early April. And so if you're a resident of Bakersfield and have been to Lake Isabella recently, or sorry, uh, maybe a few years ago, rather, and thought, my God, this this is hardly a lake anymore, I assure you it's, it's, it's not quite the lake. So last question. What is your hope for the future of Bakersfield and the Kern River? Well, uh, I mean, you know, it's going to be weather dependent. You know, hopefully the, the lake stays high and hopefully Bakersfield can still keep getting water. You know, for those that, uh, you know, say just moved to Bakersfield, say maybe within the last five years or so, you probably were wondering why that bridge uh, coming off of Highway 99 and going towards downtown, you're wondering, well, why is there a bridge here? <laughs> but, yeah, but now you have a river. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, hopefully, you know, again, it's going to depend on, on water. I'm sure at some point we're going to get to some dry years, you know, in the next few years and perhaps the river will, will drop down to where it's a trickle or, or, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully with the restricted pool elevation raise, we can let the, you know, the, the reservoir level can now go up and, Hopefully that means more flow coming out of the dam for a longer period of time on, on a given summer. Hopefully that happens uh, in years to come as well. Really exciting news. And just to remind everyone in Bakersfield that even in those drought years, if you drive up to the Kern River Valley or Lake Isabella, there's going to be water there year-round every year, even in drought. So there's always nice opportunities to get out and see nature. So I really appreciate yeah. the time today, David. Hey, thank you so much for... Glad you asked. Yeah, thanks for all your hard work on, on the dam and keeping us safe. We really appreciate it. Welcome. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with David and learned a little bit more about Isabella. I certainly did. And I hope you join me again next time for another Faces of Current interview. Take care. I've done a thousand miles of thunder. I've wore blisters on my heels. Just trying to find me someplace better. And the streets make us feel